We come into this, you know, this new series. Um, and just before I start, it, it's a three-week one, but let me say this. If you have been a follower of Jesus for a while now, like myself, um, doesn't mean I'm perfect though, but if you have been, um, or, or you may be new to your journey with Jesus, or you may have even, some of you might even have some questions, you know, about faith in Jesus. Uh, let me start by saying this, majority of any Christian's lifestyle, the way you live Christ-like, the way you, you think and the way that you understand the ways of Jesus, um, the way that you live out, you know, your life as a follower of Jesus, your life as a Christian will usually be based on what our experiences in life and relationship with God. Our beliefs and our understanding of, you know, who God is can be shaped by many of the things that happen to us and around us, you know, during our lifetime. So whether we know it or not, however, we don't always take those beliefs and those ideas, right? And we don't always line them up with the truth of God's word. And many of us at times can go for years we can go for years as Christians living with some wrong ideas about God because we don't always go to God's Word, which is the Bible, to make sure that our hearts and that our minds are aligned with God's. Can I say, I think it's natural. It's natural for any one of us to be caught up in the troubles of, the, of our world you know, and the things that we face in our world. Sometimes things happen and it's hard to think of, man, anything other than the problems in front of us, right? And this is why as Christians, it, it needs to be natural for us to turn to the Bible uh, for guidance on how to live in this world. The hope is that the Word of God, the Bible, it's a thing to help apply truth, you know, in our daily life, allowing us to respond in faith by contributing to our world in a healthy Christian way. And so our three-week series, it's titled behind me here, Salt and Light, and it's in reference to some words that Jesus spoke. It's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 13 and into 16. Um, I'm going to read just a snippet of it, but Jesus, he uses the illustrations of, of salt and light, and this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, what is it? How can it be made salty again? It can't. It is no longer good for anything. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. We jump down and it says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, both... Salt and, and light are things that will always have a huge effect upon the things around them, if you think about it. Like salt. Salt is used to enhance flavor, right? And used to preserve food. To be salt means to deliberately seek to influence the people around you, showing them what it means to live Christ-like through godly character and, and godly actions. And as for light, to be light, it means to be a witness to others. It means living out the truth of God's word in a dark world. 
especially demonstrating who Christ is and the hope that you know we have through his death and resurrection for our salvation. These next three weeks, I man, I look forward to challenging some of the ways that we think in our Christian lives, in our very own nation here. Hopefully it should add to our way of how we live for Christ in a time where, it, man, it is definitely an interesting time to be a Christian, to be salt and light to the world that you and I live in. So I'd like us to, uh, I'd like to take you to the book of Isaiah. Now the book of Isaiah, it's found in the Old Testament. Um, let me let me give you a, a, a you know, very quick introduction to this prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, he lived during the time when you know, the people of Israel, they were actually divided. They were divided into two kingdoms. Uh, one of the kingdoms was the kingdom of Israel. The other kingdom was the kingdom of Judah. And Isaiah, he was a prophet. I said that before. He spoke on behalf of God. And he was actually a prophet to the king and the leaders from the kingdom of Judah. Now, in the kingdom of Judah, there is the capital city, which is, we all know, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the holy city, the home of the temple, the place where people would go to offer their, you know, their ritual sacrifices. Well, God, in this time, God gave Isaiah a vision. And this vision that he had, it revealed that Jerusalem, you know, Jerusalem, the holy city, the home of the temple, Jerusalem was not all that it was cut out to be. These were God's chosen people, and, you know, every neighboring pagan nation living around them, they viewed, you know, the kingdom of Judah as a powerful nation because of the God that they served. The whole book Man, it's, a, it's a big book, um, you know, the book of Isaiah. But the whole book is based on Isaiah receiving this vision from God. And the vision was, it was important because it was a warning from God to the people, to the Israelites, in the kingdom of Judah, to turn from their corrupt lifestyle. And his job was to warn the Israelites that their rebellion you know, against their covenant with God would come at a cost. Let me read to you some of the words Isaiah speaks on behalf of God, you know, to the people of Israel. Well, it's, it's found in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. And this is what he says. Hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, uh, give ear to the teaching of, of our God, you people of Gomorrah. In case you didn't know, uh, in the Old Testament, right, in the stories of the Bible, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities that God actually destroyed because of all of the horrible sin and the, the corruption people did in those cities. Now, the story of um, Sodom and Gomorrah was something the people of Israel, man, they knew. They knew the story because, you know, it was huge and it was a tragic part of the history. So Isaiah, he's comparing, he compared the Jerusalem rulers to the rulers of, uh, of Sodom and, and compared Jerusalem's people to the people of Gomorrah. In other words, he was telling them that 
far from being the best of the best nation, they were actually the worst of the worst. Which, you know, it brings uh, to mind, man, aren't you grateful that Auckland was mentioned this week as the world's most livable city? <laughs> New Zealand Herald, let me read this. The article reports, New Zealand's most populous city, home to 1.7 million Kiwis, beat out major cosmopolitan centres such as Tokyo and Vienna, the champion of the last poll in 2019. Uh, Wellington also rocked up in the list with the coolest little capital in the world, sitting at number four on the list, released by the Economist Intelligence Unit. So what does Auckland have that the rest don't? Well, as it turns out, the question answered by the poll is what doesn't it have? The answer? COVID. <laughs> you know, as you and I think about it, we've experienced before, you know, how COVID can change our city. It's changed it right now. It's made us number one, right? <laughs> COVID can change our city within hours to go straight into level four lockdown. You remember that? So last year we were, you know, always um, living slightly on edge, all of us here, just in case Auckland went on lockdown again at any given moment. Some of you were still probably hoping that it would go on lockdown so you could work from home, whatever. <laughs> you know, now think about this, coming back to the story. This history of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Israel knew loud and clear when Isaiah, he said these words, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The Israelites, they knew, they knew too, they too could suffer just like them at any given time. So what was the reason they were compared to Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, we find the answer in the following verse, verse 11. And it says this, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough to, of burnt offerings of rams and fat of, of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and, and lambs and goats. Pretty much what God was saying was, he is more concerned with the Israelites' behavior, you know, in their personal relationship with him, more than with the formal kind of worship they offered him in public. The Israelites were familiar. They were familiar with laws around animal sacrifices to, you know, to atone for, for their sins. The problem was not that they were making their sacrificial offerings like clockwork. The problem was they thought their sacrifices were a, a sub a substitute for truly living and obediently walking wholeheartedly with God. You see, their sacrifices and, and offerings to God should have been an expression and an outpouring of their devotion and an outward uh, evidence you know, of what was in their hearts. A heart of obedience to the Almighty God. But the stink thing was, the people of Israel 
had drifted from obedience toward God, and because of that, God took no pleasure in their sacrifices. It, it was just token, and it meant nothing to him. God has no need of sacrifice. However, it would always bless God when sacrifices were made, you know, as an expression of genuine devotion to him. You know, offerings given without faithful devotion, they give no pleasure to God and, and they provide no reward for, for the one making the offering, both back then and today for all of us. Think of it this way. Without faithful devotion to God, the Israelites' offerings, it simply became a matter of just going through the motions. Question, do you live your life every day as a follower of Jesus? Or would you say that you're, you're a Christian that lives for Jesus as a part-timer? Are you a person who says you follow Jesus, but it's more of just an outward thing? You know, not really in your heart. You just go through the motions in your Christian walk. Is that you? What does going through the motions even look like? Well, let me give you some examples. You can come to church every Sunday, yet you're not really interested to be here. Your actions outside of these walls may not line up with what you act like when we're all in here. You could tithe your money every week, but deep down inside, you're not really enthusiastic to tithe in the first place. You may stand here every Sunday and sing along during praise and worship, but on the inside, you don't get anything out of singing these songs. They, they don't do anything for you. How do I know that? Because I used to be like that. I know what that feels like. And some of you probably know what that feels like too. But you think to yourself that it's okay. The important thing is you come and you clock in and, and God is fooled. You'll just go through the motions and no one will know. I know that part too. Well, let me tell you. That is exactly what the Israelites were doing. And that is exactly what Isaiah was warning them about. If I could be a type of voice, okay, for you today, like Isaiah was to the people of Israel back in those times, I would like to tell you today these words that needs to stop. God likens that behavior to that of Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to encourage you, anyone that's listening in here, it's, it's time for us to stop our meaningless sacrifices and change by giving our full devotion to the one true God. For some in here, going through the motions of, of doing your, you know, your ritual routines isn't going to cut it anymore. <laughs> Can I be honest and love it? There's much love that I can give. <laughs> it's time to be, man, it's time to be really serious about following Jesus wholeheartedly with a personal relationship with him. 
I mean, look, don't, please, don't get me wrong. I am so blessed for you to be here in church every week, every week. It is so humbling. <laughs> None of this is possible without you. So don't get me wrong, I'm so blessed. But if, you know, a person that doesn't choose to live Christ-like on a daily basis, and hear me here, I know it's not easy to live for Jesus every day. <laughs> Yet we come to church half-heartedly, and then this verse might just be for your life right today. In the beginning of this verse, it says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord. Wow. I'll share this still. I wasn't going to share it, but let, let me share it. Um, many years ago, before I was a pastor, before I worked in education, um, I was, I was self-employed. Um, and then, you know, I was self-employed in my, my early years of marriage. And business, man, I tell you, it was going really well. We were doing so well. Sacrificial offering. Not only was it a ritual, a ritual that we did every week, but it was because our heart's desire was to worship God with our money. And we refused to let our fear of lack take over us. And today, man, here we are, myself and my wife, the very pastors of this church. We are a living product of tithing our money every time we had money sacrificially. But more importantly, it was an expression. It's an expression of our devotion of what was in our hearts at the time. It was a heart of obedience to the Almighty God. You know, the book of Isaiah doesn't just teach you and I about the condition of God's people, the Israelites in Isaiah's time, but it also informs us, right, of our condition, of our sin, and of our need for Jesus. In Isaiah verse 16 of the same chapter, it says this, Wash yourselves, make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. You know, I've shared today, I've, I've used verse 10 and 11, what the problem was and with the people of Israel and, and that we too are, you know, we're in the same boat as them in our lives today. It's a lack of having a true heart of worship for God. Well, verse 16 here, it gives us the solution to our problem. The first step is to make yourself clean. God was not interested with the Israelites' offering of sacrifices because their hearts, they were, it was unclean. Yet, he would then turn around and tell them the first step is to wash yourself sacrificially. This was God's solution because by physically washing themselves, it was a cleansing type you know, of ritual and it meant it forced them to be aware of their sins and their need for cleansing. I mean, think about it. When they were physically doing this cleansing ritual, right? Only then, while washing, they were realizing their sin 
And this was the first step to right their wrongs. And so for us today, our, our cleansing ritual, it's not a physical washing of our bodies like Isaiah mentions in this verse. Our cleansing is found in giving our lives wholeheartedly to Jesus. Like the Israelites during Isaiah's time, you know, they mistakenly thought that they were doing good things already. They thought all their sacrificial rituals and offerings was all, you know, needed. That's all they needed to do. They thought that the offering of their sacrificial animals, that it cleansed them from sin and it freed them from spiritual death. Yet, what was missing in their personal lives, it was a faithful heart in living in obedience to God. So, let me conclude today by asking, by asking you, where are you with your you know, where are you with with your relationship with God? That's a lot of whips. Are you? A person who offers sacrifices to God by token outward actions. What I, what I mean by this is that you just tick all the boxes of being a Christian or you just, like I said before, you just go through the motions. Yet, the missing piece to your godly sacrifice is living in obedience to God. 1 Samuel 15.22 this is what it says as I finish. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying him? Listen, no. Obedience is better than sacrifice. This is what God wants for your life. And so I want to challenge us today. Wherever you are in your situation and your journey with God, some of you may feel, man, yeah, it really spoke to me. It's knocking on my door right now. Some of you might be thinking, man, I'm, I'm on fire with God. I, I love God, but there's some, some areas that I need to deal with. Some issues that, you know, that I need to sort out. And, and I'm trying to do it by turning up the church and doing these different things and worshiping and, and praying and whatever. Remember, all those things are, are, are outward sort of things that we do. But I, I, I bet you this, and I've experienced this so many times and I still do. It's like I have all the answers, right, of how to do God's things. And God's just sitting there waiting. I already told you like two weeks ago what the answer was. I can't do anything else until you obey. I'm just going to sit here and watch you. You're the one suffering, not me. When will you obey? To obey is more better than sacrifice. And so I want to encourage us all here. It doesn't matter. You may not be walking with God right now. Man, let me tell you, that's okay. Because you're in the best place. You're with us. And we want to journey you through a relationship. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It'll come. Or you could be on fire for God on the side. And you know this life over here 
it's still you're having to constantly repent get right with God and keep journeying with him again take you deeper and so I understand where a lot of us are in here so I want to pray for you